Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. All right, take your Bibles and open them up to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 19. The Bible says this. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a good verse, isn't it? That's an encouraging verse. That is a great promise. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's get into the context of that just a little bit. Back up. And uh, verse 13, Paul writing to the church at Philippi, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Notwithstanding you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. In other words, they supplied, they gave, they supported in his need. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my Necessity. This was an ongoing thing that the church was supporting and being a blessing uh, to Paul. For even in Thessalonica, verse 16, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. But I have all, Paul says, and abound... And in full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Here we see the spirit and the attitude of gratefulness from Paul the Apostle as he, as he remembers back and writes back, uh, thanking for the help and the support of this church here, the Philippians. And again, we got to remember here when we're reading this that Paul now is confined in a Roman prison. He's a prisoner of Rome at this time and he is awaiting death. That, that, that changes how these words where he says things like, uh, I have all and abound and am full. That changes what he's really saying there. He's saying, listen, I have all that I need in Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. Not that I'm going, not that I'm doing great, not that I'm all these things are happening, but he Paul shows here an inner calm, a quiet joy, like that we were talking about last Sunday, that he truly has in his life. I mean, this is he is learning, he has learned to give thanks in everything. Like he'd said earlier in this same chapter, uh, in everything, give thanks. In his deep I would I would suggest that in Paul's deep poverty here in this prison cell, that Paul the Apostle had more joy 
and more peace than Caesar in his palace, than Nero in his palace, Paul had more joy, more peace than Caesar did. He says, I have all and abound. I am full. He had truly learned, like he'd said earlier in this passage, in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Paul had taught these churches and taught all the churches, churches in his letters, this principle of giving and supporting the ministry and ministers. But his, his support that he received uh, from the Philippians, he had received that because he knew that they would have eternal fruit and eternal reward on their account. See, Paul himself did not say these things, like he said in verse 17, because I have a desire, I have I, because I desire a gift. He didn't, he wasn't saying these sort of things because he was desiring something from them. Paul himself had worked when he needed it. When he needed to be supported, uh, while establishing the church in Corinth, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 18, Paul the Apostle stayed with Aquila and Priscilla because they were of the same trade, right? Tent makers. Paul was working, what? To be able to support himself in the ministry that he was doing. But you got to think here how happy the Philippians would have been the joy in their heart, the love of God shed abroad in their heart to be able to support the Apostle Paul. To be able to show their love and their uh, 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 generosity toward him. This was the man that brought the Gospel to him. He had gotten that call, that Macedonian call, come over and help us, remember? And he went over there and he began uh, down by the river to tell Lydia about Jesus Christ. And after he was beaten and after he was uh, in prison there and singing hymns and songs at midnight, uh, the Philippian jailer and his whole family received Jesus Christ as their Savior. The first two converts to the church at Philippi. I can imagine that both of them got in on the offerings that were set to Paul the Apostle. They said, my goodness, uh, Paul the Apostle brought the the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to us. It changed our homes. It changed our families. It changed our community. It changed our eternity. Happily, happily would we be able to support as He goes. And we know that as He goes, every place He goes, He is preaching the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the old preachers 300 and some years ago probably, Matthew Henry said this. He said, had every, every member of the Philippian church given half of their estate, that would have been a worthwhile investment. And the Apostle Paul in eternity. And what he was doing is he began to take the Gospel across Europe. We see that the church here uh, at Philippi, they had that grace, that grace of giving. Take your Bibles and turn. Uh, we'll be back here in Philippians 4, but turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul, using them, the church at Philippi, as an example to exhort the, ch- the brethren at, at Corinth, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Moreover, in verse 1, Brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That's Philippi and the areas around. 
how that in a great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy, and look at this, and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. That's interesting here. They said, he said that even, even the grace of God at work in their life, even in their deep poverty, they were liberal with what God had given them. You know what that kind of tells, uh, tells me? That giving is not just for the rich. It's not just for the rich. Although, although Paul does tell Timothy, uh, charge them, he tells Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded or, or trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us all things richly to enjoy. God gives us all the things that He's given us richly to enjoy, but He says that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That means give. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. He says the whole reason for all that is for your eternal reward. Laying up those treasures in heaven. He says they were able to give in their deep poverty. They abounded in their liberality. Look at verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. That's interesting, isn't it? They went beyond. They tapped into a power that's beyond power of God. And they were willing of themselves praying with us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did not as we hoped but look at this. Here's the key. But first gave their own selves to the Lord. That's the key of all of this is giving ourselves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. He goes on to continue talking about these uh, giving and things like that in 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 Second Corinthians eight and and in Second Corinthians, um, look at what he says in Second Corinthians eight nine. This is interesting. Well, eight eight starting eight. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. See, it's like a test. It's a it's to prove us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes. He became poor, that ye through his poverty might be, uh, might be rich. That is the gospel. You know what teaches us to be generous? What teaches us as Christians, uh, this trait of Christians to be giving and generous, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He made himself, who was rich. <laughs> Remember, it's according to his riches that we are, our needs are met. He was rich and made himself poor. Why for us? Look at verse uh, 6 of chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he would sow as sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. He would sow bountifully, shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. These verses go right with Philippians 4.19. But God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good 
We're really seeing the blessings of God's riches being poured out as we seek, as believers, as Christians, seek this grace and actually this gift of being a giver, being giving. It is a gift. Romans chapter 12 and verse uh, 6, it's talking about the, the gifts of the body, right? He gifts the body and puts puts different uh, gifts into the body. And in that, he says, uh, talking about these different gifts of prophesying or exhortation or all these sort of things, he says, He that giveth, talking about the gift of giving, let him do it with simplicity, right? Let him do it with simplicity. It's not a big show. It's not a big deal. It's not all those sort of things. We make it a small thing, but we do it of the love and grace of God in us because of his giving toward us. The Philippians had this grace. They had this gift. Uh, and, in, and because of it, God was blessing them. They had that joy, that rejoicing in the church. Uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 38, Jesus says this, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you. Again, we kind of have these things. We'll say, I need. I need all these sort of things. He says, give, right? And it shall be given unto you. This is that giving breaks that control, that bondage over a believer. And it really shows our faith in who is our supplier. Who provides, who supplies our needs who we look to as we prepare our hearts to seek God over mammon, right? That's what Jesus taught in Matthew 6. We were in Matthew 6 last week, but he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust doth corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He said last week that many times we are stressed out. We are worried about earthly things, things going on in the earth. We get worked up. And a good way to check where our heart is set on is what we worry about. What we stress out about. If we're constantly stressing out about earthly things, then likely all of our treasure and our heart is set on earthly things. We don't have to do that. That's what the Lord's telling us. We just don't have to do that. He says, no man can serve, Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one or love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Jesus says, you cannot serve God and man. It's that test to prove our heart. See, giving is worship. It's faith. It's eternal fruit. You've heard the quote, our greatness is not in in what we have, but in what we give. That's true in Jesus Christ, isn't it? He gave, He gave all. He gave His best, He gave His Son. God gave His Son, Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, the old preacher, uh, uh, he, he said this, one of his quotes, it is beyond the realm of possibility that one would have the ability to outgive God. It's beyond the realm of possibility that one would have the ability to outgive God. As you look at uh, Philippians, and that's just the introduction here. As you look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, 
the message is short, introduction was long. Philippians 4.19, there's, there's a, a, a natural outline, you probably already picked it up as I read the verse, uh, of Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The first thing is, my God. That's probably the most important part of the whole message is my God. Is He your God? Is He your Lord and Savior? That's the important part. Is He yours? Would we be able to say, like Psalm 23, He is my shepherd. Now, that picture and type of a shepherd is, is important here. I believe it's important. It's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ likened to a shepherd a lot throughout Scripture. And us the sheep. And this is an important part because if we're really willing to say that He is our shepherd and we are the sheep, what we're really saying is He has ultimate control over our lives. The shepherd doesn't control all these things. The sheep are led by the shepherd. The shepherd is everything to the sheep. I mean, they really, and I'm not trying to be rude, but they really are dead meat without the shepherd. They are easy prey for anybody, everybody, all the time without the shepherd. The sheep are without hope, without the shepherd. And then that's the picture, that's the type. My God, right? My God shall supply. If He is our shepherd, He has ultimate control over our lives. We can say like Psalms 23, I shall not want. But the key to the I shall not want, all our needs supplied, is God is my shepherd. That's the key. He's got to, it's not I'm the shepherd and I'll call Him in when I need help with what I'm doing. It's I'm the sheep. He's the shepherd. Therefore, because I'm the sheep, He's the shepherd. I, all my needs will be supplied according to His riches. I shall not want because He is the sh- Listen, that means you say, well, this thing of giving, giving, it doesn't even, some of that stuff could just go right out the window about giving, giving, giving if we are the sheep and He's the shepherd. Because we will, like the Philippians and, and what He said to the Corinthians, we will have given ourselves first. We are given our, I'm the Lord's and He is mine. Right? We are one. And by the way, that picture of, of, of marriage, and I've used this example here before, we get the better end of the deal, right? Yeah, when a husband and wife, they get married, uh, what is his is hers, and what's hers is his, right? Yeah. Same is true with us in the church, with Jesus Christ in the church. What ours now becomes his, we don't have anything anymore that's not his, and what his is ours. And by the way, we get the good, the better end of the deal. That whole, that whole marriage is what His becomes ours. Uh, thank God that He is our shepherd. He takes control of our life. I shall not want. He will lead me beside green pastures, beside still waters. My soul will be restored. He will help my soul. He will work on my soul. My purpose now in life as the sheep of the shepherd is for His name's sake. That's what my purpose is now, is His name. His name is above every name. I live now as the sheep with the shepherd. I live now for Him and for His name's sake. This is the key of Him supplying our needs and Him taking care of all of our things is us being the sheep and Him being the shepherd. He says, even though I walk through evil or even death, 
We face death. He says, He is with me. He will comfort me. He says, even in the presence of mine enemies, I mean, even then, my shepherd will protect me. He says, surely, and this is where we, this is where it just changes the outlook on our life as the sheep close to the shepherd. He says, surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I mean, that is something. If you really believe that, that'll just change your life. If you really believe that, my goodness, for the rest of my life, I mean, the world can go down, things can go up, things can go down, things can go crazy, but surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I'm the sheep and He's my shepherd because He is my God. That's the most important thing. He is the great sheep shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. If you were to ever have a shepherd, (laughs) He is the shepherd to have. He wants to be our shepherd. Do you know Him? Do you know Him as your shepherd? As your God? As your Savior? Listen, this word, as our Lord. He is our Lord. That means He has Lordship over our life. That means if He is our Lord, then we are not in control. And if we are in control, then He is not our Lord. We are give, we're taking it from Him. And we're going our own way. And a sheep on its, by itself is without the shepherd is just, oh, it's not good. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, though, is He is our God. He is our shepherd. He can handle our needs. He can handle our needs. And we all have needs. All of us have needs. You know, needs aren't just... Uh, you know, to do with the rich and the poor and the educated and the uneducated, this society, that society. Needs are just part of of being human. We have needs. And our greatest need, the greatest need for every individual in the whole world is salvation. The greatest need for every person. You know, we, 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 we want to be a mission-minded church. We want to grow in our missions. Uh, the, whole, the whole vision, the whole, the whole idea of someday uh, being in, a, in, in this church and it being paid off and all of us together, both congregations together, is that the whole idea of being able to turn our focus on missions. Missions. And we, can, and, and, and we have a vision of what God can do in India and in Mexico and all and many, many other places. There's a lot of open doors in the Philippines and China and all, all kinds of places where God's saving people by the, by the 20s and 30s and hundreds even. And we want to be a part of that harvest. The greatest need, the greatest need for every individual is salvation, Amen. justification. And Jesus Christ met that need for the whole world on Calvary. He met that need. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I keep going back to this. I know I keep saying it over and over. But He has saved us so that we are become peculiar people. That doesn't mean that we all wear the same uniform. That doesn't mean we all wear funny hats, right? That doesn't mean that's how we're peculiar. And we are peculiar by doing exactly what he just said in that chapter, by making the Lord Jesus Christ our shepherd. By in everything, by prayer, 
and supplication with thanksgiving. Listen, if you start praying about everything and you start giving thanks for everything, if you're content even when things are bad, you are peculiar. You are pe- the world will take note. When a person is going through troubles, going through trials, going through that evil, going through the the valley of the shadow of death, but yet they fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. That's peculiar. And He has saved us, given us salvation, so that we can do that. He has met our greatest need. Therefore, we are able to become those peculiar people, careful about nothing, full of care about nothing, right? Trusting Him for everything. Our daily bread. The Lord will take care of it. I mean, I know that's simple. The Lord will take care of it. The Lord will take care of it. The Lord will take care of it. And that mindset. If He doesn't take care of it, it doesn't need to take care of it. I mean, it's either going to work or it's not. And He's in control. I mean, it's either going to go or it's not. The Lord will take care of it, right? The Lord will take care of it. We all have needs, though. Not just salvation. We have salvation. That's our greatest need. He's met that at Calvary. We have physical needs in our bodies, our soul. Our families. We have, you know, present needs today, tomorrow. We have needs now. We have future needs, right? And the more responsibilities that we have, you know, if you're if you're a husband or a wife, you have more needs. If you have children, you become a parent, you have more needs. The more things, the more things you get involved in, the, the more needs that you have. The more you need the Lord. We need wisdom. We need patience. We need courage. We need faith. We need humility. We need charity. (laughs) We need the knowledge of Him. I mean, if He doesn't reveal Himself to us, we don't know Him. We need to know Him. We need the knowledge of Him. We need more grace. Listen, as a church and as individual Christians, we need more power. We need spiritual power. There's bondages. uh, Tonight I'm preaching uh, about fasting and prayer. You say, why are you doing that? Because there's some bondages that are in people's lives that have been there for years and years and years. And I believe fasting and prayer is that next level. This kind coming not out but by prayer and fasting. Sometimes we have been, these these uh, vices or these problems or oppressions or depressions have been there for a long time. And I think the next step may be fasting and prayer. Tapping in, trying to get a little more of God's power in our lives. God's power in our lives. We need it. The lost needs to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We need more of Him. Money, money actually is probably one of the smallest needs that we have. It really is. It really is. I mean, if we really look at what we need, it's probably not a lot of times what we even think we need. What we need is Him. And He knows what we need. Yes. Matthew 6, He said, Even the fowl of the air your Father feedeth, are you not much better than they? Yes. He said, I take care of the birds, and you're more precious to me than them. Your heavenly Father knoweth what you need, uh, you have need of all these things, he says in Matthew chapter 6. I want to use an Old Testament example for a second. The Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4. We will be going back to Philippians 4, but Second Kings 4. <coughs> One of my favorite prophets, you guys know this, Elisha. His stories and the stories of Elisha are wonderful. <coughs> In 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says this, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. 
And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bond. This is a problem. This is serious. This is bad. This lady is in debt. Her husband's left her in debt. And now, in order to pay these debts, the debtors have been able to now take their boys to become servants to pay off this debt. This would leave her in terrible shape. Heartbroken. She's in great need. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me what thou hast in the house. And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. Save a pot of oil. You know, it's like you don't have to have much. You don't have to have much. And you probably have all that you need. You just don't see it yet. You probably have all that you need right now. The Lord's already given to you what you need. You just haven't seen Him do it yet. He said, then He said, go and borrow vessels abroad. All thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. He says, and when thou art come into that uh, inn, then thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. I love this. The boys get it to see this miracle. They get to see the power of God work in their mama's life. And so verse 5, So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons and brought the vessels unto her, and she poured them out. And it came to pass that when the vessels were full, and she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil is stayed. And she came and told the man of God. And he said, Go, sell the oil and pay the debt. And live thou and thy children and the rest of the, uh, uh, the children of the rest. This, this woman, she just had a little oil, but the thing about this oil is it never ran out. She could just keep pouring it into buckets and pouring it into vessels and pouring it into vessels and filling up vessels and selling it. Listen, God doesn't necessarily always dump it all on us at one time, but He'll give us what we need. Lord, I, I'm telling you, I know that God can stretch things. God can stretch things. He can take a little he can take a little and he can make it a lot. I mean, he, he can say, oh, I need this much. I need this thing. You know, I only have a little bit of faith. Well, give it to God. And yeah. See how far it will go. I mean, you just have a little bit sometimes and you give it to God like that. He multiplied the food with the loaves and the fishes. He just has a way of doing these things. Listen, here's what it is. is the Lord meets our needs. The Lord meets our needs, but He doesn't always do it like you walk in and He writes out a check and hands it to you. He does it a whole lot more personally. He does it in such a way that you and the two boys behind the shut door know that it was God that did it. Maybe everybody else in the world won't know where you got the oil from or how you ever made it and how you paid the debts off and how you made it through. But you and the, you and the family, you'll know that it was God that did it. That God that delivered you and God that helped you. He'll do it in such a personal way. Listen, He is He has endless supply. That's the that's kind of the last point. According to his riches. His riches. This is not according to anybody else's riches. This is according to his riches. This isn't according to my talent, my ability, my anything. It's his riches. And he's not limited by a recession. He's not limited by a depression. He's not even limited by a famine. I mean, he's just not limited. He can, he can do anything that he wants to do. To compare our needs with his riches 
To compare our needs with his riches is like a drop in the ocean. It's embarrassing that we'd even worry about it when we have these promises of God, when we really stop and believe the truth and believe what he says. You know, Spurgeon, I keep going back to his, his quotes in this message, Spurgeon said this, I have a great, he says, I have great need for Christ. I have great need for Christ. And I have a great Christ for my need. That's what he said. I have a great need for Christ and I have a great Christ for my need. I was reading about Spurgeon and he said this in this Philippians. It was interesting when I knew on Wednesday I was going to preach in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. How many times this, this verse came up throughout the week? It was, I saw it a lot of places and heard it a lot of times. It's just kind of neat to see. But Spurgeon, the, the preacher in England there and had a church and they planted an orphanage. They started an orphanage there. And when they were building the orphanage, he, he went out front and said, I want engraved across the front, Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your needs. And he said, we wrote that across the top and I was reading what he said later in life. And he said, through all the years of this orphanage, this verse on the front of this building has come true. He says every time that the funds were down, right down to the bottom, he'd fill it back up. He said every time, but never once, never once did he not meet the needs of these boys and these people in this place. And I thought, wow, that was encouraging to me. You know, see what God's doing there in the, in the children's homes in India. Sometimes you can start worrying about sort of things, those sort of things. But my goodness, if he was, if he was faithful to Spurgeon, he'll be faithful to us. I mean, he's the same God. He will supply our needs. It's that what he told the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse 14. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The Spirit of God is our great deep well. I mean, the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, the believer indwells us, seals us in the day of redemption, has an endless supply of what we need. God, God gave to us. God gives to us. God has not just given to us generously, But He gives to us and has given to us sacrificially. He he died for us. That was a sacrifice. He sacrificed for us. He didn't just do a generous. I mean, He could generously give and it wouldn't even hurt Him. God could generously give. But He went one step further. He sacrificially gave. He gave Himself for us. The Gospel is what teaches us that. to, To give. To be generous. Romans 8.32, he says, And he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not uh, with him also freely give us all things? He says, being justified freely by his grace. Freely given? So we freely give. That's the principle. The principle of giving is the same as forgiving. It's... Because you say, why do you forgive? <laughs> because I've been forgiven. Right. I, I, I forgive because I want forgiveness. And I forgive because I have been forgiven. It just wouldn't be right for me not to forgive those that uh, go against me, those that do me wrong. It just wouldn't be right. All that I've been forgiven, I must forgive. Yeah. Who is our source? As we close, who is our source of supply? 
Who do we look to? Who do we ask? When we are in need, when we think we're in need, who do we turn to? Is it our spouse's responsibility? Is it our friends? Is it the community? Is it our employer, our employees? Is it, is it whose responsibility is it for our supply? As a sheep, it's the shepherd. It's the shepherd. He has promised to care for our needs. Again, God will provide in such a personal way. He'll, he'll, make it, he'll make it in such a way that as He provides our daily bread, it'll cause us to desire Him more. We'll say, my goodness, God has provided for me. God has taken care of me. God has led me and helped me. He provides us through His sacrifice. God uses His own people to provide for us. The body of Christ working together. He uses His Word. He uses His Spirit, His riches. Jesus Christ is all I need. The trick of the whole thing, the trick of the peace and all these things is just trusting Him. Just trusting Him. It's it's letting go. It's it's surrendering and saying, I'm losing this control and I'm accepting God. And man, that is a hard step to take. You can be saved, born again, accept Jesus Christ for your salvation. But that next step of surrendering the control of your life is a big one. It's a hard one, and it might not just be once. That <laughs> may be over, and then you say, I surrender, and then a little while later, oh, Lord, i got to surrender again, right? This is an ongoing thing where we give it up to the Lord. But listen, we got to stay close to the supply. You stay close to the shepherd. That's the best place to be, right? Right where the spout where the honey comes out, right? Right at the spout where the glory comes out. The closer I can get to the shepherd, the better off I'm going to be. I would just ask you as we close, what is your need this morning? Again, we all have needs. What is your need? Is it salvation? Is it salvation? If it's salvation, He will be your God. He will forgive your sin. If you only repent and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, I receive your salvation. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be your shepherd. He will be your God. Are you trusting Him? Are you trusting Him enough not to worry? Trusting Him enough not to have the cares of this world bog us down? Giving it to Him, trusting Him? Jesus Christ is all we need. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or... You could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.